Okay. I'm going to read from a few different portions this morning. And I'll start with Romans, the 13th chapter. Romans 13, verse 10 says, and I'm reading from the Amplified, and without this, this can enable me in, in a very small way some of the original language in a, in a very small way here, but at least it can be used for that purpose. So in Romans 13, verse 10, it says, Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. And this is not just the Ten Commandments that it's talking about here. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that set us free from the law of sin and death. death. And that's why in love there's never any condemnation. That's why even in the preaching and teaching of the word that God gives, uh, there's not any condemnation in it, but there's plenty of conviction. And conviction is just light. And light is the purity of God's nature that flows out of the energy of God's nature, which is his love. So in this sense, that love does no, one, no, uh, no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anyone. Therefore, it meets all those requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. Again, not just the Ten Commandments in Exodus 23 to 17, but far, far beyond that. Because Christ did obviously much more than just fulfill the requirements of the 10 Hebrew words, the legal covenant. He did far, far more than that. Then it says this, this knowing, and that's how you should really understand it. Even the Amplified doesn't give it quite correctly here. But even it says this knowing, this each of us individually knowing, what a critical hour this is. And this is what I want to bring up this morning. As God was bringing it up to me. And the way that he was giving it to me, obviously, was in the conviction of his love. Based upon the purity of the light that the word that Christ is. So he would have us all to know in his love for us. What a critical hour this is. And how it is high time now. And the high time is now for you. This is individually for us in any area. To wake up out of your sleep. And bringing, in other words, to bring us into the reality of his presence. And then it says this. For salvation, final, final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And what this is talking about is that we are, many of us, and in one sense, we're a lot closer to being with him face to face for all eternity. This is Revelations 2 and verse 17. Then when we first received Christ as our Savior. So it says, for salvation is nearer to us, meaning this, that uh, uh, the finality, the finality of, our, of our salvation is knowing God through Jesus Christ for each of us personally, in our face-to-face -face fellowship with Christ for all eternity. This is what Revelations 2 and verse 17 brings out. But again, what it's teaching here is that 
there is a, it's a critical hour. And for many believers, it's a very, very critical hour. Very critical. The word of God that, that God is even giving us this morning, honestly, in terms of counsel, very critical. It, it is honestly very, very critical in his love, in God's pure love. And so he wants to wake, God wants to wake us up. He wants to wake us up to face him even now. And it's very critical that we do so because there are multitudes. And when I say multitudes, I believe multitudes of believers that aren't anywhere near to facing him because of what they're taught and what they're not taught. You see, it's very critical that we're taught properly the things of God. Because if we're not taught properly, then we're going to be taught improperly, even as Christians about him. For salvation, our final deliverance, is nearer to us now, right now. So it's saying here, it's the critical part of our hour right now is to receive what God is giving us. Then we first believe, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ. Some put Messiah, but for us, obviously, he is Messiah, but far more than that. That's why I believe certain translations, even the Amplified Bible, is it just it's good, but it falls short of the critical truth of the Word of God. That's why we need precise teaching, very precise teaching, because he's much more than just our Messiah. I mean, he, he is the sovereign Lord. He is our bridegroom. You don't see that brought out here. Very critical. That's why we need precise teaching, and we can't just rely on translations, no matter what they are. This is what it says in verse 12. The night is far gone. Think about that. What is the night? The night of his physical absence, not his spiritual absence. That night, it's far gone. So Paul, the Holy Spirit, through Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, the time is shortened. The time is short. Listen, five minutes from now is not guaranteed to any of us. We may get familiar with that and may think that, it, that it's ours. And we may think that we have time. We may think that in terms of hearing the word of God, some days are not quite as important as others. Certain times are not as important as others. Yet Jesus said in John 12, 35 and 36, walk while you have the light. And walking has to do with submitting. Submitting has to do with hearing. Hearing has to do with, with really, honestly, discipline and training in hearing the word of God. Because in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing there is the message. That's what it says in the original. You won't see that in certain translations. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the messages that we get. That's what it says in Hebrews 10, 17. So it says, the, the night is far gone. The day is almost here. What's the day? For each of us to, be, to face Christ and have fellowship with him for all eternity. The day is almost here. That day, again, we experience it now, but we will, by faith, but we will face to face. That's 2 Peter 1, 19. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And the day dawns on us. This is what it's teaching us here, very, very clearly. It's, the day is almost here. Let us there, 
Let us then drop, fling away the works and deeds of darkness. And sometimes when we think about that, we think of the, the grossest things of darkness that you could imagine we wouldn't have anything to do with. Yet there's other areas that are just as dark. And we're going to see it this morning. Fling away the works and deeds of darkness and put on the full armor of light. Put on the full armor of light. Let us live, listen to what it says, let us live and conduct ourselves honorably. How often should we do that? Very convicting to me. How often should we do this? And becomingly, as in the open light of day. What's that? Who we are in Christ. Who, he's listening. Just think about this. And it's very convicting to me. Just think about that God is everywhere present. And he's listening and watching to every single thing we're doing. Not in terms of condemnation. He loves us. But he's watching every single bit of it. Every single bit of it. He's hearing every conversation. He's hearing everything that comes out of our mouths. Very convicting to me. Honestly, very convicting to me. And again, live honorably and becomingly as in the open light of the day, not in reveling, carousing, and drunkenness. Of course, you see those bad things? We know we shouldn't do those, right? Drunkenness anymore, right? Not in immorality or debauchery, sensuality and licentiousness. We shouldn't do any of that, should we? Because we know it's dark and it's evil. Do you know what's just as evil? Not in quarreling and jealousy. When we're untaught or when we don't submit to truth, any of us, we categorize sin. Some are not as bad as others and we just, we speed bump certain ones. But if you look at Reverend, Romans 1, 18 to 32, you're going to see that even lesbianism mentioned first and homosexuality are on a par with gossip or idle talking, and we'll see it, or even foolish, foolishness, foolish jesting, what we call, let, what we call, we're just kidding around. Honestly, would we do that if Christ was sitting right here? What would our conversation be with each other? Would we be kidding, <laughs> laughing about certain things that don't have a thing to do with Christ? Verse 14, but clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature. Is that quarreling? Is that on a par with our other sins? Watch what it, we'll see. Again, remember, this, this is God's loving, convicting counsel so we don't get condemned. He's not saying these things to condemn us, even, for instance, if I lived in them, like yesterday. If I even lived in them a little way. He's not telling me these things. It's not, it's not condemnation that's speaking to me personally. It's love. It's love. Because that's an evil craving of the physical nature to grati gratify desires that don't have a thing to do with Christ. Don't have one single thing to do with them. 
This is 2 Corinthians we're going to turn to now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want us to see this because I want us to see as God wanted me to see everything about yesterday and what was happening. Every single thing about yesterday in the full picture of what was happening. This is 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 1, it says, Now I myself, Paul, beseech you by the gentleness and consideration of Christ himself. I, who am lowly enough, so they say, this is said in a little bit of sarcasm, but it's still the word of God, by the way. So they say, when among you face to face, but bold, fearless, and outspoken to you, when I am absent from you. Verse 2. I entreat you when I do come to you that I may not be driven to such boldness as I intend to show toward those few who suspect us of acting according to the flesh. On the low level of worldly motives, worldly motives, and as if invested with only human powers. For though we walk, we live in the flesh, these bodies, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the, these physical bodies and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. No, they're not. They're weapons of blood and flesh. That's the way it should be. Again, here in, here in the Amplified, they don't have it right. It's, it's a decent, and I say a decent translation. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of blood and flesh. There's a reason blood is always put first. Because the life of the body is in the blood. That's Leviticus 17, 11, and 14. Very crystal clear in the scriptures. And, and very precisely too, by the way. No, but separated from all of that, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Listen, strongholds are something we all have in, in us. Not in who we are in Christ, but they are still in the flesh, which, by the way, has not been removed in Romans 8, and verse 9. We still have these strongholds. And a stronghold, a stronghold can be, honestly, it can be lesbianism. It can be homosexuality. It can be siding with others, even, even though they're believers, that went against truth, went against others, and yet I'll still be with them and support them in some way, which no, I, I don't understand that one at all. I truly don't. I don't understand what is loyalty to truth and to those that have spoken it and disloyalty to others, and I'll go to their banner. It makes no sense to me, honestly, scripturally. It makes no sense in God's love because I will show you in the scriptures where we're, we're to live separate from those that lived in disobedience and never got right. We're to live separate from them. Scriptures make it very clear. I don't understand it. To me, I do not understand that. Scriptures make it very, very clear. Very clear. Were they to continue to fellowship in the young man that was living in sexual relations 
for the stepmother? Should they have fellowshiped and sided with him and still been with him to try and win him? No, they should have lived separate from him, but they didn't. They let it go on. Of course, and then the second thing is, when he finally did get right, they wouldn't give him any forgiveness. But you see, he had to get right before they could go back to him and have fellowship. That's clarity of the scriptures. may not like it, but you wouldn't have a legitimate disagreement because of the light of the scriptures bring it out crystal clear. <sighs> Very clearly. Well, yeah, strongholds. You see, the nature, the natural in us, even with natural family, it sets a stronghold. It's a stronghold. It is. And if you understand the scriptures with me, this is conviction. Remember this. This is not condemnation. Maybe I am living in these things. Is God condemning me while I am? No, he's lovingly trying to correct me. He's lovingly, listen, trying to correct us with the preciseness of the word. And when you don't like the light, you won't come to it in terms of submission to it. And when you don't, all you can do is go, go back to that darkness. This, this is John 3, 18 to 22. Crystal clear in the scriptures. The day has not dawning on us at that particular moment. And I may say here are all the reasons why I think I should do this. I'm giving you all the scriptural reasons why you shouldn't. As a loving friend, listen, as a loving older man in the scriptures, with, with greater understanding of the scriptures, and I'm saying it as a pastor, and not as just some guy, uh, just some friend that we can get, you know, we can have fun times with. Not at all the way it is. It's very convicting to me. Well, a stronghold. Now, here's what happens. Inasmuch as we refute these arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up, up against the true knowledge of God. In other words, God's giving us true knowledge right now. I can either receive it or resist it. I can choose this message or I cannot choose it and like others. This is where we get into these that's a hallmark message. <laughs> That's hallmark. Yeah. Well, in Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. The word is purified. Seven times finished in Psalm 12 and verse 6. Well, inasmuch then, we refute arguments. Who's he? Who's we? Those are the leaders. Those are the pastors and teachers. Those are. And by the way, they're older, by the way. Not reverse, they're older. Refute arguments. You're arguing, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. Eh, I don't know if I believe that part of that preaching. I don't know if I believe that. Well, we can have a private conversation about scriptures any day, and I'm open. Every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Being in readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience. Here's a person living in disobedience, a Christian. 
Maybe it was someone that was invested in, living in disobedience, never getting right, and you should fellowship with them. You should run to their banner. Truth? Absolutely not. No, I don't. Where's the scriptures on that? I'll show you hundreds of others that disprove that thinking, that disprove it in a very, very uh, deep and propor proportionate way. You leave it away. You lead it away captive into the obedience of Christ, being in a readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience. How does that? You allow God to deal with that person. Because as long as you side with them, when they live in disobedience, you're in the way. You're just in the way. Oh, we should do that because it's family, natural. Don't understand it. Don't understand it at all. No. No, being in readiness to punish every insubordinate for his disobedience. Now, in terms of Christians, I wouldn't say that that's punishment. I'd call it loving chastisement, but I can still get in the way of that. Why translations can only bring you so far. They can only bring you so far. They can't bring you any further. For their disobedience, when your own submission and obedience as a local assembly, a church, are fully secured and complete. Complete. Now here's Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I just, I'm explaining this because I want to explain it the way God explained it to me. You see, yesterday, in, in certain areas and certain places, there was intense spiritual warfare going on. Intense spiritual warfare. That maybe, maybe, and, and again, it's not a condemnation. It's, it's a capacity and a growth issue. Some weren't even aware of. We're not even aware of what was going on. This is Ephesians. And you can read the fourth chapter. I would read the fourth chapter of Ephesians before you even get to where we're going to read this morning in the fifth chapter, starting at verse 1. But, because it's going to give you a clear understanding about how we should put off, put off all ways of thinking. Put them off. Put them off. And again, this is convicting to me. This is areas where God has strongly convicted me. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking that way. Has convicted me. So you're going, it's going to be a little different here. You're not going to hear things from a pastor. And he's always right. He always preaches the truth. And you need to line up. It's not true. It's not what I'm saying. We all submit to the word of God. Every single one of us do. We need to put off the old and put on the new. This is Ephesians 4, 20 to 24, and you'll see it all the way up until we're a captive. If he hasn't captured me with that conquering life in Romans 8, 37, that's mine. If I'm not his prisoner, I will be the prisoner of the enemy experientially. Can a believer be the prisoner of the enemy experientially? Yes. Not, but love has to come in and bring the purity of the light which is the word, which is Christ, and brings out what is proper obedience. Why do we think we have to do certain things that don't have anything to do with spirituality? And should we if they don't? That's a, that would be something simple. Should we do them just because they're natural or they're spiritual? 
Is there any natural in the spiritual? Is there? Is there any spiritual in the natural? Therefore, Ephesians 5, verse 1, be imitators of God, copy him, and follow his example. This is very brief, and but it's still better than some translations. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. Imitate their father. Now here's what we're going to see and walk in love. Now, walking in love means I want, as a believer in Christ, I submit to it. But how do I walk in love if I don't submit to the purity of the light of the word that brings out that love? Am I walking in love? I'm not saying God doesn't love us at all times. He does. Am I walking in that love? Big difference. Big difference. And walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God, so that it became a sweet fragrance. Really, it should be an aroma of a sweet fragrance that Christ was and is that went up to the Father. But now here's where we're going to get into some details and where we tend to, at times, any of us, categorize what we think sin is. Watch. But immorality, sexual vice, we know we shouldn't do that, right? That's evil. And all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living or greediness must not even be named once among you as is fitting and proper among saints, God's consecrated people. In other words, those that walk in the holiness of their position experientially. Because experientially, I might not walk in the holiness of my position. And that's true with any of us. And it can be. Here's what it says in verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency. Now here, here's where we begin to categorize sins. Nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk. This is where we think kidding around is okay. It's not okay. The Bible has brought it out clearly again. It's not okay. It's not okay. Not for any of us. And the enemy will use it. Will use it to repel and to resist truth. So there's automatic kidding around, constant kidding around. And we think that Think that that's okay because now we know one another in Christ enough so that we can be free to do that. That's not freedom. It's not. It's not freedom. No. No, no. Foolish and sinful, silly talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting or becoming. But, and you know what the but is? Again, this is a contrasting conjunction. We're to live separate from that. Because if we don't, we categorize it. But instead, voice your thankfulness to God. For be sure of this, and then of course, no one practicing, and that's none of us in Christ, I hope, sexual vice or impurity in thought or in life, or one who is covetousness, who has lustful desire for the property of others and is greedy for gain, for he is in effect an idolater. These are idolatrous thinking. The context is that the foolish talking 
I have a right to, and, and again, it's not right. It's not right. We should have personal fellowship, but we should never get involved with others' personal business. Ever. Never. Never, ever. Have I been guilty of that? Yes. Guilty of jesting and kidding? Yes. Because sometimes, again, I think I have to be, be that so people will receive, and that's wrong. To make them think that I am equal when I already am in God's eyes. It's not true. And God, for me, and I'm talking for me, honestly, the, the rest is up to you folks, to all of us that are listening. This is between you and God. This isn't between you, me, and God. Honestly, it's not. This is between me and God. As far as I'm concerned, I'm concerned, all of that has to be done. It's going to be done with me and I, because it's not fellowship it's not me loving you it isn't it's not me caring about you because love covers there's a covering in proverbs 10 12 and first peter 4 8 there's a there's love covers there's certain things that should never be brought up publicly never never not uncovering even in maybe in a kidding way about others where they fall short or where they don't add up or what we don't like it. And then we make it a topic of discussion and we kid and think it's okay. Let me tell you, when we walked into that place yesterday, let me tell you something. It's intense spiritual warfare. Intense. Intense spiritual warfare. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. The anger is not against the person. It's against the spirit. It's against Satan that is against that person. That's what it is. There's an intense familiarity and intense jokiness and constant kidding because it's a repelling of the truth. It's a repelling of true fellowship. It's a, a person that the enemy is using to oppose themselves to the love of God for them. Who's been after them for years. And they settle for less. Not very good. No, it's not. Not at all. No. No, listen to what it says. Again, I think the older ones of us need to be far more careful than the younger about this kidding around and all this. And basically, all it is is familiarity. And I'll tell you, because familiarity... It has nothing to do with who the person is in Christ, period. That doesn't have a single thing to do with it. And we, we have to be much more, I have to be much more careful about that. Because it's entered in. It enters, it's entered in, in this particular state, this location, and in other locations. And it's not good. Because it doesn't have to do with God's love for us. And it doesn't have to do with the light and purity of the scriptures because even that gets in the way of us receiving. Because now I see that person after that. And then when they go to share the word, now I see them after that. And it affects me even if I'm not aware of it. Even if I'm not. And I do want prayer. I'm going to see an individual. I've set up an appointment to see an individual from yesterday. A personal time with this individual. I've already set this up. And I would appreciate some prayer on that this particular individual from yesterday 
So we know this here. So anyone that does these things, listen to what it says now. Again, foolish jesting, those that haven't gotten right, those that live in sin and disobedience towards others, should I, go, should I be with them? And, and they still live that way. Should I go to them and be with them? Should I? Well, let me give you the scriptures. Now, many times we can live like an idolater. Does God see us that way in Christ? No, but can I live that way? What's an idol? Anything that's in competition with Christ, who I am truly in him. And so don't, you don't have an inheritance in God's rule, the kingdom of God and of Christ. Listen to what it says. Watch. This is, this is the word. It's not the word of Ed now. It's the word of God. Word of God. This is, this is Ephesians 5 and verse 6. Let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses. So God would give the scriptures and give them to me as a provision and excuse to do something I know I shouldn't do. Really? Never would do that. God. And groundless arguments. What's an argument? Well, here's an area that I'm functioning in. I know I am, but now here's the counsel of God's word. And I don't want to receive it. I'm going to start seeing if it makes sense. And I might start arguing with it mentally. Well, no. These empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. For through these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children of rebellion and disobedience. Now, that could be the unsaved, but will he, will he come in strongly with chastisement to those that are his? Would it be to even to the point that God would take home one of his early? Yes. Scriptures are crystal clear. But that would be God angry at us? No, that would be his love saying, they're not going to obey me up to this finality. And because of my love for them, I don't want them to live that way anymore. I'm going to take them to be with me. And then he'll show them his love at the Bema seat too, by the way. The love, not the, chast not the condemnation, but the loving, convincing chastisement. Because if God takes one of his own home, if they're his, wouldn't it be love and not condemnation? And of course it would be. Look at what it says. Let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. For through these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. So do not associate or be sharers with them. This is what it says. What's your excuse? What's mine to do it? when I know not to. Well, I've already said I'm going to do it. Really? Oh, okay. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Lead the lives of those native born to the light. For the fruit, the effect, the product of the light, or the spirit, consists the light. In other words, again, this is an okay translation. Spirit taking the things of Christ who is the light, to show it to us, in every form, kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. And try to learn in your experience. How do, what do we learn? God's bringing positional truth to us so that when we submit to it, it becomes our experience. But if I don't receive it and I live in disobedience, what is my experience? 
to try to learn in your experience what is pleasing to the Lord. Let your lives be constant proofs of what is most acceptable to him. Take, listen to what it says. Here's Ephesians 5, verse 11. This is why we need to be careful about who we're with at all times. Take no part in and have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness, those that live. But instead, let your lives be so in contrast as to expose, reprove, and convict them. <laughs> but when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it's made visible and clear. God is making things very, very clear this morning. In a way, in a clarity, it just might not get anywhere, anywhere else. Not because I'm special, but because the word of God is very special. Very special. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead experientially, and Christ will shine, make day dawn upon you, and give you light. He's giving us light right now. He's giving us light when we're together. Okay, let me ask you this. Okay, some, some make business decisions. You make all kinds of business decisions. A Christian. Can I, ask you, can I ask you this question? Is the business that God have you, has you in any different than your own spiritual life? In other words, is there a difference between your spiritual life and the business that God has you doing? Is there any difference? So you do certain things to support your business, don't you? And you give the reasons why you do those things. How much more, if your call is to constantly preach the word? How important is that? How important is that business? <laughs> is that a pretty important business? Oh boy. It's very important. Very, very important. Verse 15, it says, Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposely and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil in active opposition to God's divine good. Listen, we, if you read Ephesians, the, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to close with this. It's the same as 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It's the same exact thing. In the 13th chapter, of Romans, but you need to read the, the 12th chapter too in its flow. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, you will see how this goes in those first verses, in these first verses here. In those first six, nine, six verses, one through nine in chapter six of Ephesians, it says this In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with Him. That's a, a, are we positioned in him in a union that and nothing can touch? Yes. But is it my experience? Am I in union with him in my experience? Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Put on God's whole armor. This is the teaching and preaching of the word of God. The armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies that you may be able 
successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Are we in? Is this right now? Who's the prince and power of the air right now in this world system? In this world system, who is it? It's the enemy. John 12, 31. John 14, 30. Ephesians 2, 2. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Against the strategies and deceits of the devil. Now here's the point. And I want us to see this. I want us to see how it was yesterday when we walked into a certain place. I want us to see how important this is. Because we're not wrestling against Blood and flesh. That's not what was going on. That was not what was going on. There was silliness and a joking to prevent that from happening. To prevent it. But we are not wrestling with blood and flesh, contending only with physical opponents. Listen. But against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the rulers of uh, this present darkness against the spiritual forces, forces of wickedness and heavy supernatural sphere. That's what, what the battle was yesterday. It wasn't, it wasn't someone's blood and flesh. That's what it was. And that is what it is. We are in a conflict. We're in a conflict. That's what we're in. That's what, that's what we're in. Each and every single one of us, like it or not, that's what we're we're born into. We need to have precise, precise preaching and teaching. I just know this, and this is my own. And I and I will say, I will end this, and we will we will we'll end it. And I'm going to end this with a prayer. Father, thank you for this word, for your counsel to me. And I'm saying this, and I want this on here. I, I'm praying and thanking you for your precise counsel your love, your wisdom, your conviction towards me as an individual. Towards me as an individual. And I'm thanking you and praising you for what you're giving to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so.